as we think about that, sin, the origin of brokenness, that's our topic this morning. And then we'll talk through the others as we get there. But uh, let me, hold on. This didn't update. Give me just one second. There we go. Now it updated. Sorry, that's what I get. I worked on it on my laptop and then I'm displaying it off my phone. There we go. Okay, so brokenness. Sin, lament, triumph. So first off, let's start by this. How would you define Brokenness. In other words, what does it mean for something to be broken? Okay, it no longer works. Adrian? Um, it's in pieces. In pieces. Not repairable. Shattered. Shattered. Not repairable. Zach? Hmm. It's okay. It don't work right. It don't work right. Dom? Yeah, maybe it's missing pieces. Yeah. So this is all this is all part of how we would define what it means for something to be broke. Incomplete. Some sorry? Incomplete. Incomplete, yeah. So incomplete, irreparable, broken, it means it doesn't work right. Um here's you guys use dictionary.com? Here's dictionary.com's definition. Good. Somebody else does. Um so and as it's used as an adjective, it means reduced to fragments or fragmented, um, ruptured, torn, fractured, and then number three, not functioning properly. It's out of working order. Um, so we kind of, you guys are as good as dictionary.com. We captured all three of those senses of the word. For something to be broke, it has the idea that it's, there's something that's happened to it that has done damage. Um, maybe it's fragmented, shattered, maybe it's torn or fractured, and then the end result of that is that it doesn't work properly. That makes sense, because what happens if you break a bone? Yeah, there's a fracture, and now it doesn't work. Yeah, Eric, tell us. Yeah, it doesn't work properly. Yeah. <laughs> or if you tear a tendon, now you have pain. Isn't it interesting that a lot of times brokenness goes along with pain? Like what happens if you drop a glass and it breaks all over the floor and then you walk on it? Yeah, broken glass tends to be painful. Okay, so the idea of brokenness, at least in our existence, often goes along with the idea of pain and things not working properly. Okay, so... Illustrating brokenness. Okay, now I'm getting at this idea of cosmic brokenness. Is that when we look out at the world around us, there's something wrong with the world. It's broken. It's incomplete. There's some pieces missing. It doesn't function like it should. You might even say it's shattered. 
And you know what? Because of the brokenness in our world, there's also pain. Have you ever noticed that? There's a lot of hurting people. Hmm. Entropy. Entropy. Yeah. What's that one? Uh, the... One of the laws of thermodynamics. Yeah, which flies in the face of evolution, because how do we get from nothing to something? Which, sorry? It's the other way around. Exactly. Everything is decaying. It's entropy. The world's broken. Okay, but you guys help me out. Where do you see brokenness on Earth? What's something that stands out that illustrates brokenness? Adrian? In the average lives of a person just going about their business, they live without God. Hmm. That brings a lot of brokenness. Yeah, it does. At least? Divorce. Divorce. Yeah. Zach? Worldly doctrine. Worldly doctrine. You're good. Don't worry about it. John? All of the sin that Satan creates. All of the sin <laughs> that, that Satan instigates? Yeah. Jonathan? Yeah, people not having faith or losing faith in God. That's good. Dominic? Yeah, I agree. Aiden? I was just going to say that all the ideals and things that people might think are normal mm-hmm. and Yeah. It's a really messed up world. People believe all sorts of crazy stuff. Mr. Bob? I was just thinking it's kind of more macro, but the inability for people to find happiness no matter what they find in some world. Because mm-hmm. you know, they can rationalize it however they want, but you can see that no one's buying it. Yeah. So, Jake, were you raising your hand a minute ago? War. I agree. War is a profound illustration of the brokenness in this world. And thank God we in our generation haven't had to experience war very much. Ezekiel? Governments. Governments. The corruption in governments. Yeah. Find a government and it'll it'll have corruption. It's inevitable. Elise? The amount of suicides, particularly in America. Yeah. Yeah. Suicide. Adrian? Yeah, just the overall lack of morality. Yeah. When we look out at this world, what we see is it's broken. I mean, it's you don't have to look very far to notice that the world's broken. It's not working quite right. Um, here's just a few illustrations I was thinking about. Okay, so abortions. In the United States in the year 2020, there were 620,000 babies murdered legally. So in other words, legally Legal abortions means there's legislation that makes it okay for them to kill a baby in the womb. But think about there are states that don't permit abortions, which means that there's hundreds and thousands of additional abortions that occur outside of those legal um, protections as well. Over 620,000 babies murdered in one year in one country. Yeah, our country. How How do you think God feels about that? Yeah. He has just wrath, and it also breaks his heart. Miss Catherine? 
Yeah, they do. They genuinely believe that it's okay, that it's just tissue. Yep. Correct. But if you follow their logic, if you start with evolution as a worldview that we evolved from nothing and that we're just a higher form of apes, well, our lives aren't worth anything. And so not only should abortion be legal, but also why would we have to treat our neighbor very well? Why can't we just kill the old when they start to need our help? You know, why can't we just kill our brother and hide him in the backyard when he annoys us? No, please don't. <laughs> but with that worldview that we are just highly evolved apes, that's the end goal. That's the end rationale of that worldview is that there's no value in life, specifically human life. Okay, abortions, deaths. Just look out at the world. What's the mortality rate? That's the, that's the death rate, but the mortality rate. What percentage of people die? Yeah, one to one. It's literally a 100% mortality rate. Unless Jesus comes back, everyone in this room is going to die. It's a guarantee. And that's why I started us two nights ago with thinking about eternity. Is every one of us faces it. We're all going to die. And the older we get, the more we tend to think about death. Our own finiteness tends to become more apparent. Sean? Um, you said the mortality death rate is one to one. I know someone who didn't necessarily die. Elijah. That's right. <laughs> Besides Elijah and Enoch, that's right. That's a lot of nines, you guys. That is a lot of nines. But even Jesus died. He did, but he died before he conquered death. Right. But the point being, um, here's the, here's the uh, average is that, and there's different averages. I've heard that seven people die every second. I've heard that. So take it with a grain of salt, but think about it. If we just snap our fingers at a rate of about one second, four people just, four people died, four people died, four people died. They're passing into eternity as we speak. The world's broken. God didn't make us to die. Uh, wars and rumors of war, like Jake said. Um, even right now, the Russian and Ukrainian conflict has been going on about a year. What about these rumors of World War III because Chinese balloons are flying over America and we're on the cusps of war with Russia, which would end up in World War III? Yeah, war and rumor of war. And if you look at the track history, the track record of history, war has been kind of a staple of humanity as people are always at war. What? It's a plague. It's a plague. Yeah. Uh, cultural issues like Dominic brought up, LGBTQ+, this radical uh, breaking of what God has given as a good institution of marriage and sexuality within marriage. Um, same with critical race theory, this this is another one of these false teachings of the world that says that if you're white, you are inherently an oppressor. Even if you've never committed any form of racism in your life, you're an oppressor. And anyone who's not white is from the oppressed. Have any of you ever heard of critical race theory? Adrian? 
It, uh, Black Lives Matter, how many of you heard of that? Yeah, Black Lives Matter is one of the primary cultural um, proponents of critical race theory. Probably olive skinned, really. A lot looked like the Jews. But, yeah, if we want to talk racism, we're actually coming to Genesis. God made Adam and Eve. That means in humanity there's one race. Whether, whatever color your skin is, there's only one race. Even then it's just being at a point of war. What? Even then it's just being at a point of war. Yeah. Okay, well, think about natural disasters. Do you think hurricanes were supposed to crash into the coasts and destroy massive communities and kill countless of people? Earthquakes, tsunamis, wildfires. Think of how many people died in the last year from natural disasters. And it didn't discriminate. Uh, mass shootings. This is a primary primarily American phenomenon, but uh, in 2022, last year, there were 647 mass shootings in the United States of America. I don't remember what constitutes a mass shooting. I think it's three or more die in one. They just last week had the Michigan State University shooting. Three people died, five people in critical condition. This world's broken. Uh, cancer. With our incredible technology and medical advancements, we still can't cure cancer. And in 2021, more than 10 million people died from cancer. I mean, come on. This world is broken. It's not functioning like it was designed to function. So here's what I want to talk about. Why is there so much brokenness in, their world, in our world? And realize this brokenness isn't just outside of us. We don't just see it in the wars and the cancer um, stats. We don't just see it in the mass shooting stats, but the brokenness is also within us. Have you ever gotten really discouraged and struggled? Have you ever been angry? Have you ever dealt with deep darkness? The brokenness isn't just outside of us. It's within us. And the reason for all this brokenness, the origin of brokenness, ultimately at its core is sin. That's where it all came from. So these are called the seven seas of history. Um, if you've heard of Answers in Genesis, which they have the Ark encounter down in Kentucky and some pretty cool stuff. These are not original with me. These seven seas of history are from Ken Ham, the leader of Answers in Genesis and from their organization. But they summarize the Bible with these seven seas. Creation, corruption, that's the fall. Catastrophe, the flood. Um, confusion, the Tower of Babel. Christ, the cross, and consummation. So this, these seven C's encapsulate all of human history. It's kind of cool to break human history down like this. But one through four encompasses about the first 2,000 years of human history, from creation to confusion. Not quite 2,000 years, but leading up to about when Abraham lived. So let's talk about these. We won't read all of, this, all of these texts, but let's start with creation. So if you've got your Bibles, Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1, 
we're thinking about where did the brokenness come from, but chapter, Genesis chapters 1 through 2, they are, they're giving us the picture of what God's original design was like. How did God originally design it before the world was broken? Genesis 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness and called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Um, Verses 6 through 8 is day 2. God makes the firmament and divides the waters that are above from the waters which are below. Verses 9 through 13 is the third day when God causes the dry land to appear in the water and then vegetation, plant life, grows on the dry land. End of verse 12, and God saw that it was good. Uh, Verses 14 through 19, we've got day four when God makes the sun, moon, and stars and puts them in the heaven um, there to give light upon the earth. And end of verse 18, and God saw that it was good. Verses 20 through 23 is day five when God creates the flying animals and the swimming animals, um, causes them to bring forth abundantly. End of verse 21, and God saw that it was good. Verses 24 and 25 We have the start of day six, let earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 26, end of day six, God makes man. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, or for food. And every beast, all the animals, can also eat the green herbs for food. Verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, pause there. What does Genesis chapter 1 tell us about God's original design for creation? What was it like? Perfect. Perfect? Perfect. Perfect? Immortal? Yeah. They were immortal, so that means that their lives were not intended to end. They were supposed to live forever. Yeah. Not only were Adam and Eve immortal, but uh, do we see any death, even in the animal kingdom? No. What did everyone eat? Fruit and plants. Interesting. Um, any other comments there? Genesis 1? 
I tried to highlight it as we go, as we went, but go ahead, Dominic. Worry. Yeah, there was no worry, no anxiety, no concern. Life was good. And we highlighted it as we went, but we see God saw that it was good. It was good. It was good. And end of verse 31, it was very good. Now chapter 2, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the hosts of them. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he'd made. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Um, drop down verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And God causes every tree to grow out of the ground that's pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then he talks about the river that goes out of Eden and divides into four different rivers, verses 10 through 14. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you will surely die. So then, verses 18 through 25, God forms Eve from the rib of Adam, um, brings her to him, and they too become one flesh. But look, look at verses 19 and 20. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. What's the picture we get in these verses of life on earth? Sorry, John, you'll have to speak up. Say it just a little louder. Adam was lonely in the garden. Yeah, Adam was lonely, and then God brings him Eve. Uh huh. Mr. Bob? I kind of say, you know, I, I know it's going back a tiny bit, but then in 15 it says, um, you know, it talks about the dark of the night, but it's, it talks about a lot of mention in 15. It says, let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens and give light upon the earth. It was good, and God made two great, two great lights, greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to be the night. So, sort of like an overall sense of Even when it was dark at night, there were still the lights yeah. in the heavens. So I think it might cool. be something like their, just their overall kind of just perception of things is, is light. Yeah. Total presence of light. Hmm. That's good. Kind of like as far as the consciousness of they that definitely had to be just, you know, not very uplifting. That's good. Yeah, so there's order. I think that's interesting, too, because, I mean, how often do we have wild animals just walk up to us and, you know, let us start naming them? But picture this. All these animals are walking up to Adam. That tells us they weren't afraid of him. Huh. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Disney. What? Like the lion and the lamb. Do you see how these themes kind of go throughout scripture. It's kind of cool. 
Okay. Um, so God created us with several different kinds of relationships. We, first of all, our fundamental relationship that God created us for is our relationship with God himself. We saw that in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, when it talks about how God made us in his image. We are to function as God's representatives on earth, but we can only do that through close relationship with him. But second, God made us to have a relationship um, with one another. We see that as he makes Eve, Adam and Eve. Um, he gives us this institution of marriage, and from that comes the rest of the human race. So we have a relationship with one another. Third, God gave us a relationship with the rest of creation. We see that how Adam was to tend the garden, to have dominion over, excuse me, over all things. He gets to name the animals. So there's a relationship with the rest of creation. But the fourth relationship, and we don't tend to think of this as a relationship in our Western cultures, but I think it's more so elsewhere. Maybe you do. I don't know. But it's, a, it's the relationship within ourselves, our, our own relationship with our inner person. You follow on that? So that's what uh, uh, Dominic brought up, of there was no worries, right? Within the human heart, there was no worry in God's good creation. It's just really cool. So mankind was designed to live in perfect, unbroken harmony with God, with fellow man, with the rest of creation, and within our own self, there was to be perfect peace. And is that the experience that we see in the world today? No, it's not. It's broken. So how did we get here? Corruption. This is Genesis 3. And you know the story. God said that he puts this tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And then he also puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, don't eat of it. Because in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now pause there. Already we have this serpent coming and tempting Eve, which tells us there's already a break in God's good creation. Bef between Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, there was some, something that happened, and we know it happened in heaven, where Satan, then known as Lucifer, um, rebelled against God, and therefore he gets cast down out of heaven because of his rebellion. But now he's coming and he's tempting Eve. Yea, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, which she adds from God's instruction, lest you die. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they, they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Okay, so... Pause there. We've gone from the end of chapter 2, Adam and Eve were both naked and were unashamed, to now they have now sinned, they've taken of this fruit of the tree, eaten it, and now they realize they're naked and they are ashamed and they try to make a covering for themselves. 
that's where the brokenness within us started, was with that first sin. Now there is shame. Before that, there was no shame. But then, verse 8, not only is their relationship within themselves broken, but verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And as Bob has brought out several times, God wants relationship with us. Adam and Eve, they had the privilege of walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. Think like the morning time. But God doesn't walk with us anymore. It's because of sin. But God, through human history, has continued to pursue humanity. Because when he banishes Adam and Eve from the garden, that we're going to see in a minute, um, when he banishes them from the garden, they could still come to the gate of the garden to offer sacrifices and have a relationship with God. And then God appeared to the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph through dreams. And then he makes the wilderness tabernacle with the nation of Israel, Exodus 19 and following. And God dwells among them. And then there's the temple. And now where does God dwell? In heaven. Where does God dwell with man on earth? Take it further. The Holy Spirit. Gabe's doing it. In our hearts. So God went from, he dwelt with them in the Garden of Eden, tabernacle, temple, Jesus Christ himself. God dwelt on earth, physically, present. And now he still wants to dwell with us in our hearts. But there's coming a day when God will reestablish his physical presence on earth. That's the seventh sea, consummation. But until then, we live in a broken world. So he walks through this. Verse 8, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Their relationship now with God is broken. The Lord calls to Adam. You know the story. Why, where are you? Well, I heard your voice. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Okay, pause there. Do you see any brokenness in Adam and Eve's relationship now? Zach? Yeah, the blame shifting. You're good. So... Adam and Eve, they did dwell in perfect harmony. Now they're blaming each other. Well, God, if you hadn't given me this dumb woman, I wouldn't have done it. Can you picture it? There's some brokenness in their relationship. And Eve says, well, it was the serpent. He tricked me. And so then I ate. Um, verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle. Above every beast of the field, upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. It will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So verse 13, we wonder why snakes crawl on their bellies now. It's from this verse. The serpent itself was cursed. We know that that serpent was Satan, but also all these snakes bear that curse. Zach? <clears throat> Maybe. Maybe they had legs. Maybe they had legs. Maybe they flew. Yeah. Picture like a dragon serpent. Yeah. We don't know for sure. Yeah. 
Well, but that's what he says. That's why he has to crawl on his belly, because the serpent eats dirt. It's a very, uh, a very humiliating posture to have to crawl on your belly. Sorry? He's condemned. So he curses the serpent. He gives us a ray of hope in verse 15 that God's going to put enmity between the serpent and the woman and between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. The seed of the serpent is going to bruise the heel of this seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. That's speaking of Jesus Christ, the seed, the offspring, the descendant of Eve, and he's going to deal a death blow to Satan, the serpent through the crosswork of Christ and the resurrection. But Satan bruised his heel. Jesus had to die in order to purchase redemption. But then verse 16, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. So in that verse, we understand that pregnancy and childbearing is now going to be hard and painful. And um, there's going to be conflict at the end of verse 16, your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you. There's this, um, this ever-present difficulty within a marriage for a wife to submit to the husband and for the husband to be a good leader. That's not natural anymore. It's hard. The woman wants to usurp, to take authority. Um, but God didn't design it that way. Um, verse 17, and unto Adam he said, because you've hearkened unto the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and also thistles shall it bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. Okay, so now there's brokenness in the world. Man's relationship with God is broken. Man's relationship with one another is broken. As we'll see, man's relationship with the rest of creation is broken. And man's relationship within himself is broken, all because of sin. And now they're going to die. They're going to end up returning to the dust. But did you notice, it's just important to distinguish, is mankind cursed? According to Genesis 3, are we cursed? Show me from the text. What did God curse? The ground. the ground and the serpent. God never cursed Adam and Eve. That's important to distinguish. So the effects that we feel are because of the sin within us, the sin in our race, but also then we walk on sin-cursed soil. I mean, we got an extra dose of the curse, I like to say. In Nevada, we have a lot of dust and a lot of thorns and a lot of thistles, if you know what I mean. It's a pretty God-forsaken land, if you will. Vegas. <laughs> it's all because of Vegas. But what we see is now, at the end of chapter 3, God drives them out of the garden. And he puts the cherubim at the, at the gate. And so there's separation in their relationship with God. That's what death is at its core, is separation. It's a break of fellowship. And so we have physical death. But then spiritual death is that separation from God, eternal, if we aren't saved through Christ. But we think about this brokenness. It manifests in chapter 4 in a big way. What happens in Genesis chapter 4? Yeah. Cain, Cain, Cain murders Abel. Yeah, out of jealousy. 
Because Abel's sacrifice was accepted before God and Cain's was not. Hmm. Chapter 5 is a genealogy, the genealogy of Adam. And then we get to chapter 6. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, took them wives of all which they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Now, verses 1 through 4, people like to debate those who are the sons of God coming into the daughters of men, and they have giants. What is that? Well, that's a debate for another time. It could be angels um, sleeping with women, and the offspring are like a supernatural race. Um, it could be the, the godly line of Seth, who is the child of Adam after Cain murders Abel. It could be the godly line of Seth intermarrying with the wicked line of Cain. Um, there are other views that are kind of intermediate between those, but you can think about those. They're not pertinent to our discussion, but Adrian? Um, are, are they called the Rephaim or the Nephilim? I forgot which one. Both names go with, with these guys. Yeah. It's not a salvation issue. It's not a salvation issue, that's right. That's right. Okay, so, but then verse 5 gives us the, the big idea here. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented, or it sorrowed the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I've made them. But... Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 12, God looked upon the earth. Behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. And then he gives him instructions for this ark and what to do, bring the animals two by two and seven of the clean animals. Um... So, what brought on the flood? Why did we have such a cataclysmic event globally destroying everything? Because of sin. Because the earth was corrupt. Yeah. Picture it. God was washing the earth of all this corruption that was infiltrating it. Huh. Sorry? He really must have scrubbed it. And there's coming another day of cataclysmic global judgment. That's right. This time it'll be fire. Okay. And then, as you you think about that, we have verse 8 that said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's important because if Noah didn't find grace in the eyes of the Lord, the human race would have ended. But Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives are spared. And so God brings this flood globally. Uh, look down to chapter 7, verse 17. We're almost done here, I promise. 
chapter 7, verse 17. The flood, can, uh, the flood was 40 days upon the earth. The waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. The waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which is upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth in 150 days. Then God stops it. It starts to dry up off the earth, chapter 8, and they land up on the top of the mountain. Um, and chapter 9, look at verses two, or at verse 2. Well, start in verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moves upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. Huh. So now we have the reason that creation is scared of us. So what changed in the flood? What were the effects of the flood upon the earth? Yeah, so the geography changed dramatically. The climate changed. Now we have brutal winters and steaming hot summers instead of paradise on earth. Zach? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, the Tigris and the Euphrates are what survives from those. We still have those, um, but they are. They're separate from each other, separated by a lot of land. And the other two rivers, we don't know where they are. Yeah. What else changed through the flood? Yeah, death. A lot of death. Yeah. So people debate the 120 days is 120 years. There we go. The 120 years, is that talking about man's average lifespan after the flood is not going to go over 120 years? Or that could be 120 years living up to the flood because it did take Noah quite a long time to build the ark. Aiden? Never rained before this. Yeah. That's a change. Crazy because you said water's going to come from the sky, not the ground. Mm-hmm. Now if water came from the ground, it would be huge. Right? We're not used to that. Yeah, springs are an anomaly where we live. <laughs> so you think about it. All this death, it means people's lifespans are dramatically de- decreased. Um, animals 
think of how, how many animals went extinct as a result of the flood and the, the onset of massive climate change. I mean, the dinosaurs, dinosaurs, for instance. What's debatable? There's a lot of things that say that dinosaurs could have lived through the Middle Ages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the prolific nature of these animals is no longer there, even through the Middle Ages. Right? So things changed. There were dinosaurs, I agree, still after the flood. But they tended to start to go extinct a lot less of them. <laughs> Miss Catherine? Yeah, um, in verse 3, where it says, I have given you all things, even as a green verse, is there any weight to that? Is there something that has changed in the theology of the Elmer that we can look back? At the end of verse 3, where it says, I've given you all things? Yeah. What, nine? Yeah. 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 Help me understand what you mean. It's a just, I think it's, amen. I think it's a just as clause. So he's saying, just as I gave you the green plants, now I'm giving you all things. In other words, I'm adding that you can eat animal life too. But don't screw this up. <laughs> right. It's a free lunch. It's a free lunch. Now you can have steak. Right. I mean, imagine that. All those people before the flood who never got to eat steak. I know. Like, or a hamburger? Well, I guess we must not have cooked it because you know when we smell it, we just go nuts. I guess. Why would they cook it? The destruction of the atmosphere would have helped the CO2 to transmit chemicals if they were able to simply put clean oxygen in these woods. Now, this, what's happening right now it's true yeah yeah just imagine that the how how incredible life had to have been before the fall and now even before the flood a lot had changed through the flood. And I think of it, when we look at planet Earth, I mean, planet Earth is beautiful now as a result of the flood. We see a lot of beauty in the mountains that we have. There weren't probably very much, uh, very diverse uh, changes in the terrain. There weren't probably huge mountains like we have. A lot of those are as a result of the flood. But like picture the Grand Canyon. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's carved by these floodwaters. But look at it from the air. It looks like a scar on planet Earth. So we see the beauty, but it's also, it's a scar or a scab. This flood left scars of brokenness on planet Earth. Sean? Um, the flood, if that, if the flood had gone, you said about um, elevation changes in mountains. Mm -hmm. If there weren't any mountains, we wouldn't be here right now. That's true. We wouldn't have anywhere to go ski. So we're grateful for the flood. Nathan? So did Adam really name every single animal? Because if there are still animals that were finding and naming, like how did he name each animal? Yeah. Pick them up. 
Good question. <laughs> well, realize. Realize, Adam wasn't probably naming every. What you can help me, Miss Catherine. Every species of dogs. Yeah, it would have been the high levels. He didn't have to name black labs and golden labs and golden retrievers. He named dog. Does that make? Does that help, Nathan? So yes, he did. He literally named every animal. But then there's a lot of genetic variation as they go. At the kingdom level, probably you said. It's good. Okay, let's keep let's keep rolling. I know you guys are getting tired and ready to be done. We're almost finished here. Okay, so we just worked through creation. We looked at uh, not catastrophe, corruption at the fall. We just looked at catastrophe. Now we get to confusion. These first chapter, these first eleven chapters of the book of Genesis, really. Um, provide a lot of context for why the world is so broken as we see it. Um, drop down to chapter 11. And you guys know the story. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. They dwelt there, said to one another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence, or from there, did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now this is important. Isn't that what God commanded Noah and his sons to do? Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish, or fill the earth. They were supposed to scatter upon planet earth and fill it up. They weren't supposed to all... Um, What's the word I'm looking at? But they weren't all supposed to group up. They were supposed to scatter. So, what happened that led up to this confusion in the languages? Why did God confuse these languages? Ezekiel? For the Tower of Babel? I have a question there. Wasn't the Bible, the Tower built, so they were afraid it was going to flood again? Yeah, so they say that it may reach up to heaven, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So, yes, that might have been part of why they were building it. John? Um, because they were not, not spreading their points out. They were confused. They didn't want to get around each other. So they didn't understand each other. Mm -hmm. They would go off and uh, yeah. spread. Mm -hmm. Just imagine how powerful humanity would be with a one-world government, with one language, one currency. That's how God originally designed it. But because of man's sin, sorry, right? What a pain, the, the conversion rates. But now, because of man's sin against God and refusal to scatter over the face of the earth, God confused the languages. That's why there's language barriers. That's why if we go to another country, we can't understand them. That's uh, where a lot of different kinds of cultures 
and backgrounds came from. But God is bringing us again. There will be a day when there's a one world government united under Jesus Christ. But before that, mankind is currently attempting to bring about a one world government. That's God's good plan for the earth, but not ruled by us, ruled by Jesus. So we see all this brokenness in the world, and it's because of sin. It went from creation, which was very good, to corruption through sin, and then catastrophe, the flood, and then confusion, the languages. But God has a solution. He's given Christ. And we won't go and read these. Um, we'll save them for later. We've got some time to talk about this later. But Matthew 1, to 23 talks about how um, Mary and Joseph, there was going to be a son born to them. And they were to call his name Emmanuel, for he will save his people from their sins. The rest of the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 12 all the way through Malachi into the Gospels, the rest of that Old Testament is all leading up to Jesus Christ. That's why God chooses Abraham. And from Abraham, he chooses Isaac instead of Ishmael. And from Isaac, he chooses Jacob instead of Esau, who he renames Israel. And why he has 12 sons, and that from the tribe of Judah would come this one who would deliver. Promised all along. God is leading all of this history up to Christ. And then, because of Christ's work on the cross, there can be salvation to redeem us from our brokenness, from the sin that corrupts us from the inside out. God offers forgiveness of that sin. But not just forgiveness, not only are we not held guilty, but he offers cleansing. It's like if you were contaminated on the inside, you need a, you need a car wash, you know? Yeah. Bob? I was thinking back in Genesis 6 when it, it was talking about how God was grieved, he grieved mm -hmm. what had happened. And earlier we were talking about how science just kind of acknowledges all that's observable. And you know, our, you know, like Christian counseling talks about we're deflect beings, that outer which science acknowledges mm -hmm. and our inner part of us that does business with God. And you think that that's something we share, that God grieves the passing of the good, or we if we listen to our hearts, you know, if we do something wrong, oftentimes we have a feeling of that. And that's something that, that science can't explain, but it's something that God gave us, or we share that in a way. And it's that, that inner part of us that, you know, has that same singularity. I mean, here's God, this perfect being, but he grieves, he's jealous. Because those, those, all, those all promote good, ultimately. Mm -hmm. It's the, maybe the, the expression of the good. I think it's interesting too because sometimes we might get a, a bad picture of God when we think of his judgment we think maybe of him as just angry but God's judgment is far from just angry it is angry it's just anger in other words righteous anger but in God's judgment the the superior emotion is that he's grieving it breaks his heart to have to destroy sinners with their sin Scientific explanation on 
Good. The final C is consummation. We'll talk about this in our devotional tonight, um, but God is bringing a day when he will bring consummation. All of his promises are yes in Christ, and he will bring Christ back as the ruler and establish perfect peace and prosperity, a pre-Edenic uh, pre paradise, just like it was in the Garden of Eden, except even better. Thoughts, questions, comments, nasty remarks? Not 13 years older. Who says? You have no proof. We don't follow that. What? <laughs> Why did you make them? 